Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your shepherd and host, Jake Counts, navigating you through this crazy world that we live in using logic, common sense, and heaven forbid, some critical thinking. Thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday night edition of We Are Not Cattle Radio. It is December 10th, 2013. Uh, We are live here every Tuesday and Thursday night from 9 until 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as always, big shout out to all of you that make time to um, carve out some time in your Tuesday and Thursday night. Switch off the idiot box, a.k.a. the programming device that sits in the middle of your living room. And let's just um, talk about the world that surrounds us and how we all are just players on the stage and fellow travelers. That'll probably get me killed. Fellow travelers on this ride. So once again, thank you so much for joining us. Had a nice time this weekend with um with my parents and a couple of family members, and um, we always throw a um, a big Christmas party or at, down at my parents' house. So there was probably about a hundred people there. Um, very eclectic group. Always great conversations to be had, and um, a lot of questions were asked about Bitcoin, what is it, that kind of stuff. So that's good that um, we've got some people that that are turning their eye towards it. But um, we also got some bad news on the Bitcoin slash cryptocurrency front, and I'll get into that here in a bit. But what I do notice is that um, the people that used to dismiss my, I guess they call it a theory, but I just call it research and due diligence and and common sense. They used to, and they meaning a, just a broad term of people and people that I used to come in contact with quite a bit, friends and family members, um, not so much the conspiracy theorists anymore. They want to understand and hear what I have to say because now they're realizing that the mainstream media is lying to them, and slowly but surely they see it for what it really is. It's just a big proverbial distraction from all of the things that go on around us and all the control mechanisms in place. And once you do break with your conditioning and and step back from the matrix a little bit, you start to really do see the control mechanisms, and, and there's literally... Um, Booby traps of mind control everywhere that you step. So be wary, but um, whether it's a a religious booby trap sending you false messages, which um, that was a lot of the conversations, um, actually got into people that had understandings of the the occult and people that had understandings of of Freemasonry. And so that made for interesting conversations. So... All in all, very, very interesting talking to people that, you know, just a few years ago, you really couldn't engage in dialogue with them because, you know, life is good. Everything's good. Now, there still are some of them out there that do believe that um, that uh, Obama is really causing a lot of this um, fracas, if you will. Never mind the American people that have all laid down and just decided that they're going to buy into the status quo and... And that's somehow going to be virtuous, that we're going to make this trip to Valhalla by all selling out and collectively never questioning what's going on and just just taking the ride for what it is. But now we're having a crucial turning point in the world itself, having what the most powerful video I've seen in probably weeks, and that was um, some UN or excuse me, some EU peacekeepers there for riot control in Italy take off their riot helmets and start marching in the streets with the protesters. 
And that's where it always historically goes bad, is when, excuse me, goes, well, it goes bad for the oligarchs. It goes bad for the ruling class. It goes bad for the so-called leaders of the country, is when the people where the rubber meets the road, the enforcement arm, and this is why it's so important to engage um, police officers and, and, and um, civil servants and explain to them what's going on so that when they get the you know the edicts and the decrees from from the higher ups then they'll um they'll at least have the foreknowledge that somebody was there warning them one of the biggest parallels that i made this weekend was um was talking to people about how the the american establishment much resembles the the russian establishment and what's good about um What's good about comparing us to to Russia is that for people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, they still remember Soviet Russia. And not like people that are my age that just remember the Rocky movies and stuff like that. These people actually remember the takeovers, the the battle, the struggle, the the sell-offs, the the um, collectivization of the the farmland. They they understood what uh, communism was, and and still is. Well, it's never really communism. It's always a sort of a pseudo fascism communism mixture. But anyway, that's beside the point. The point is is that when you engage people that have seen the fall, the rise and fall of the the Red Russians then they can really equate that to what's going on here in America. And you talk to them, and they'll kind of get it. Because they were around, or they heard what happened in World War II. And if you talk about, look, what um, what was one of the... There's three main things that really do depict a socialist-slash-fascist um, society. There's actually... Well, I, I just stick with three, because it's easy for people to get. And and you can go four if you want because, I mean, it's really easy. You can go all the way down to nine pillars if you want. But let's just keep it simple for the, for the sakes of having, a, once again, a, a cogent conversation with people. Now, if people just look at you and say America is the greatest country in the world and we have as much – the most freedom, evidently this person has never touched a, a, a law book before or they've never even looked at – at um at the corporate laws behind America, we're not free by any stretch of the imagination. Not even close. What's your social security card if we're free? What is it for? So and you do have to watch the booby traps there because you will fall into some, you know, patriot mythology. But for the most part, take it for what it's worth. So the, here's the three planks that I typically try to engage people with. Number one would be who controls education. Because as we all know, education is the bedrock of which the controlling elite swim. I mean, that's that is their that is their, you know, cornerstone, if you will, to use a, a Freemason analogy. So the American system is run at the federal level. The funding is done from tax-free foundations. If you want all the, the gory details, you can look at the, um, at the Reese Committee hearings to investigate the, the um, nonprofit foundations, and that will get you on the right track. So trying to simplify this for everybody because this is the things that we need to um, we need to engage people with. And if you don't know what the Reese Committee hearings are, please look into them. It won't take you very long to get just a 30,000-foot view of what happened. But around the 1950s, we went from a, a really solid education model to one that's basically producing mindless drones, um, servient, subservient to the system, and that's why... We have this process called waking up, which is basically the use of critical thinking and, and not buying lies anymore and just thinking about the information that you're getting, the information that you see, the information that you can read, interpreting that from yourself, and then discounting the so-called quote-unquote experts 
because um, most of these exports, especially if they're on Fox, CNN, are either paid by the Pentagon, the CIA, or some other governmental agency, or have an affiliation, a strong, close affiliation with one of those agencies. And that's why I call it state-run television, because you know, they're quote-unquote experts or never people from the, the free market or anything like that. So anyway, back to the original statement. So we have number one, we have education. Number two, fascist-slash-communist countries typically run off of central banking systems. Um, the United States didn't, did not for a very long time, and we had a 10% increase. Um, almost every year until we ran into some hiccups. And then that's when the Federal Reserve came in with their bag of tricks and said that they were going to fix everything, and they were going to stabilize unemployment, help with interest rates, yada, yada, yada. So we got sold out in that aspect. So it's been a slow slow metastasizing of this cancer that is now in full bloom, as we see, with the socialization of health care. But um, back to the third prong. So we have education, number one, um, centralized banking and finance, number two, and number three, uh, transportation. Now, you're going to get some pushback that says, well, we need you know, oversight from the federal government. No, you don't. You never needed that. Interstate highways were created by the federal government so that they could get a foothold into creating a command and control system to where they would have oversight. So, you know, and then if you want to go to the fourth one, do we have state-run agriculture? It's kind of a fascist model, but yeah, I would say so. Small farms are permitted, you know, keyword there is permitted. You have to have a permit to have them in some areas. Um, most of the time, especially in the modern time, you've seen people demonized for having front yard gardens, backyard gardens, gardens in general, growing food in general. And that is, um, once again, the collectivization of, of the modern society. And it's not for the greater good. It's just to pay off corporations that have um, monopolies that that run unhealthy, unsanitary practices with their um, huge pharma um, complex uh, along with their corn subsidies and and all of these things, taking your tax dollars and and utilizing them as weapons against us in the free market where if we just would let the the free market rein in some some of the craziness and have some fair competition without um, subsidizing these things, then um, then we would probably be much better off. So if you use those as kind of building blocks and have conversations with people that can at least agree on those few things, then we're making progress into the expansion of knowledge on the masses. Now, be mindful that when you engage people that they are conditioned to have emotional responses. Remember, they spent 15,000 hours in public schooling on how to be, um, with their proverbial self-esteem, having to have somebody always um, ratify their beliefs or tell them that they did good or did well. Very good job, Jimmy. 90. A+. Great job. So, once again, grades don't mean that you understand the content or it actually doesn't mean that you understand the context. It just means that you understand the content. So there's a there's a very distinct difference in those two words, and um, I would highly recommend that you look at that. So that being said, out of the people that I spoke with, a lot of them got into that understanding. And it always comes back to what do we do? Well, you have two options in, in my theory. One, if you understand the control grid, then you can opt out of the control grid. And then people look at it on a massive scale and say, well, everybody's too stupid to do that, so what do we do on a mass scale? And I said, well, on a mass scale, you abolish the Federal Reserve, and then you let the people print the money. You let the you don't let Congress do it because that will get out of hand as well. You have to have some semblance of a, of a human-initiated currency which you know the population can control and at least um at least have some uh help how about some knowledge of how much money's in the marketplace that would be a start 
the Fed right now just says that we are not allowed to look at any books, don't need to know anything, just invest your money in the stock market, keep going with the stock market. And in the last 15 years, the economy has shifted from whether our nation is healthy on a on a GDP um, ratio or a um, a financial indicator of of some you know substance. We're all about the S&P 500 in the stock market. Well, the stock market's up. The stock market's up. That's all that matters. Well, understand why the stock market's up. Number one, it's inflated currency. Number two, remember when the banker bailouts happened? Do you remember that? Bunches of billions and billions of dollars were given to these banks, but what happened to the banks? Remember the banks stopped loaning money. They stopped loaning money. And everybody was wondering what was going on. They're getting real tight on their loans. We'll see what the big banks do, which, by the way, are shareholders in the private Federal Reserve. The, the big six banks are major shareholders in it. So in essence, they create the money out of nothing, give it to themselves, and then hold it because if they put it out in the marketplace, it'll cause what's called hyperinflation or you know, rising inflation. So what they've done is they basically seized all the money, and now they're just hanging on to it, all the while earning you know 3% interest because they're reinvesting it. And then you have the Fed reinvesting in bonds as well, and they're buying bad bonds and bad debt as well. So it's really six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Whose fault is it? Is it the bank's fault? Is it, is it um, the Fed's fault? I mean they're one and the same people. It's very, very complex, but that's a 1,000-foot view of what's going on. And that's why you have people coming out, like a former Reagan advisor reported by Zero Hedge today, and I will just touch on the article. And if you guys want the articles from the show, I'll um, I'll actually start doing this again because I do like to document um, all the articles and stuff that I pull. So I will um, put a post on my page, wearenotcattle.net. And you can just look under the show notes. I might as well just create another tab and do show notes for blah, blah, blah date. So I guess it would be show notes for December 10th. But this comes from Zero Hedge. And it was a it was a former Reagan advisor, and his name is David Stockman. And here's what he says. Uh, actually, here's what the Zero Hedge article says because it's not very long. It says <clears> – <throat> During the current malaise of news, data, and the spin of, and the spin is meaningless. David Stockman tells Bloomberg's Tom Keen, adding that markets are exhibiting a quote the kind of speculative froth that you get at the top of a cycle, where where valuation loses any anchor in the world, real world from earnings or the prospects of the economy. So basically, what he's saying is. All of this stock market pumping up is just a big – it's just a big fraud, which I've said this a couple of times, uh, not on the air but off the air to a couple of different people, and they they just can't get over the fact that they've been lied to in this big of a scale. But it's happening, and people are still going along with it because, once again, the status quo makes it nice and shiny and easy. So that's why – People typically take the path of the status quo. So he said, and he goes on to say, as he urged before, owning stocks here is very dangerous. And despite Keynes' efforts to denigrate Stockman's, he asked him, and Stockman replied, "Of course, it's a bubble." He said, "Perspective from a former inside man that exposed the hard mathematical truths of evaluations, performance, and reality in this brief clip. Who is to blame, the Fed or Wall Street?" And he says, it is a question of who has taken whom hostage. Stockman continues anonymously. It is codependency, and it's very dangerous. Well, he knows it's codependency because the big banks are the ones that are partial to the Federal Reserve. And then you have the Fed loaning out basically money at zero interest in QE Unlimited, and it's creating a lot of challenges in the marketplace because you now you've got all this free money, and what are you going to do with it? Because if you put it out in, the, put it out in supply – going to make everything go up, and then you're going to have inflation. It's going to get really nasty. And it goes on to say, Wall Street demands on the Fed keep diminishing out the liquidity and the, excuse me, 
It says Wall Street demands that the Fed keeps dishing out the liquidity and keeps dishing out the monetary heroin. Basically, he's 100% right. Wall Street's saying, give us the free money, and if you start to raise interest rates or you start to dial back on on um, QE Unlimited, printing money into oblivion, the, the stock market's going to seize up and you're going to crash the economy, which is – it's an, it's inevitable. There's no real way to get out of this, people. It's the sad truth. I'm not here to fear monger. It's just mathematical truth at this point. We've got to figure out a way to either slowly right the ship and just take our lumps or we can just keep kicking the can down the road and this thing in about five years will will be atrocious. He says they have a hissy fit in the Fed chair or even suggest that they might even begin to taper four years into a recovery, which is right. He said it's codependency and is a very dangerous thing. So once again, not just some guy with a radio show out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia saying this. This is um, somebody with some clout, but all it takes is a little bit of research, a little bit of time away from the television, a little bit of time in the, um, in the good old books trying to figure out how the economy works and listening to um, to experts. Uh, more importantly, ris- listening to people that set policy. That is, that's the first thing that I could recommend if you go back in time and look at who sets policy for certain for certain presidents, you know, for certain um, banking heads. That's who I would look at first because they're the ones that really know how the insider stuff works and they understand what the ramifications are. You know, you can have instructors and professors that can speculate and they can, you know, they can prognosticate, but they can't really talk about the the, the politics behind it and, and everything else that goes into this. So very, very interesting. So let's um, let's move on from there now to um, speaking of the Federal Reserve and the um, corporate jackasses that have hijacked America and hold us all hostage. It's, so fantastic. And I've done a lot more digging in the last couple of weeks, and I'll um, let you guys know on a later show once I can get um, some backup on this um, on this theory of mine, what, uh, what I came across. I evidently found the end of the rabbit hole, which was unbelievably dark and creepy, and I'm still in the process of validating whether this can be true or not, but um, who knows. All right. There's there's a lot of booby traps, like I said, out there. So just, um, just keep your eyes peeled, people. We are in for a fun ride here on um, on this little planet that we're on, this big rock spinning out in the middle of nowhere. All right, and it says, J.P. Morgan files patent for Bitcoin-style payment system. And I think that Josh and I talked about this last week on my Tuesday show where he, he and I both had a... Um, and you know what scared me was the was the endorsement by the Federal Reserve, and that's kind of where I started looking at Bitcoin, even though I was a big pusher of it, and I still am a, a supporter of it. It becomes really challenging because we don't still know who originated this thing, and uh, since it is a pseudonym that created this thing, and um, now you've got the Fed buying into it, you've got J.P. Morgan doing what the rich – kleptocratic jerks like to do and that's file for patents so that they can get all the greedy welts and be able to issue this stuff at their leisure so and this comes out of the financial times and it says jp morgan files patent for bitcoin style payment system it says jp morgan has filed a u.s patent application for a computerized payment system that resembles some aspects of bitcoin the controversial virtual currency it's always controversial when it's something that's nothing to do with central banking or oligarchs. It's, it's controversial. Whatever. Like Bitcoin, J.P. Morgan proposed a system that would allow people to make anonymous, yeah, right, anonymous electronic payments over the Internet without having to reveal their name or account numbers or pay a fee according to the patent application. This sounds like just a huge screw job. Probably, what are you going to send it through the NSA to, to to be to um to encrypt it for us? Whatever. The application put a spotlight behind the scenes battle waged in the biggest banks, credit um, credit card operators, and companies such as Google, Apple, and PayPal, 
who are all keen to grab a slice of the pie of the rapidly expanding business of providing mobile and internet payments as more people shift to online buying. At the same time, traditional finance companies have to contend with new types of virtual currencies, which some view as a viable alternative payment systems that can one day challenge the biggest banks and credit cards. Oh, like hell, they say. J.P. Morgan said that the patent application, which dates back to 1999, but was recently updated, of course. Or why wouldn't they just have a working patent that says that we're going to, you know, whatever. That the new payment system would complete would compete with uh, debit and credit cards as a predominant way of making online transactions. Some say the banks, but some see the bank's proposed payments technology as borrowing features from Bitcoin, and the date of the most prominent of the new virtual crop of, of or in virtual crop of new virtual currencies. The price of Bitcoin has soared to more than $1,240 this year, and investors have piled into a fast-appreciating cryptocurrency. J.P. Morgan's proposed system involves creating virtual cash. Oh, God, this sounds like... Oh, everybody knows what I'm going to say, but whatever. Involves creating virtual cash that would sit in an online wallet reminiscent of the computer files that hold bitcoins on the behalf of their users. J.P. Morgan's system would also create a public record of transactions made using the technology, a feature that would appear to mirror bitcoins' use of blockchain, a massive block of code stored across peer-to-peer -peer networks from computers that acts as a public ledger on all bitcoin transactions. While the bank does not name Bitcoin or any other virtual currencies in its patent, it does not hint that emerging efforts to challenge the dominance of credit card technology. While the new internet payment mechanisms have been rapidly emerging, consumers and merchants have been happily conducting and growing volume of commerce using basic credit card functionality, J.P. Morgan said in the application. None of the emerging efforts to date have gotten for gotten more than a toehold in the marketplace, and the momentum continues to build in favor of credit cards. Of course you're going to say that, because if Bitcoin starts taking flight, then you guys are all done. And then we don't have any more wars anymore. What are we going to do? No, no. Critics of Bitcoin added that J.P. Morgan's move also highlighted the vulnerability of the new virtual currency limitations. Already new types of virtual currencies have emerged that attempt to improve on Bitcoin's perceived weaknesses. A person familiar with the original J.P. Morgan patent said it had discussed ideas about different ways that payment could evolve in the future. Of course, just keep it as vague as you absolutely can. That's probably a lawyer. The notion of providing anonymous payments was first inserted in 2003 and continued to be considered internally. So there you go. J.P. Morgan, after the trial balloon of Bitcoin to see if all the suckers would buy into something that's not tangible nor redeemable, decided, hey, we're at a point now where the population is so dumbed down that they just need a wallet. Hell, we won't even let them carry around wallets anymore. Just nice, slow progression into enslavement. Happy fun times. Happy fun times ahead. And I don't mean to sound down. Just be aware of what's going on, people. Be aware that if you can't touch it and an EMP hits, what do we really have? Then what do we do? The person with the most gold wins? The person with the most sticks in their backyard wins? What do we do then? Just um, always... Always be thinking ahead, man. Always be thinking ahead. So, um, shifting gears a little bit, since we're talking about currencies in the future, let's talk about uh, Mr. Ray Kurzweil, one of my buddies, and thinks he's going to become God. And this is a CNN piece, and it's not very long, and it's, it sounds kind of like the ones that I've read before, but I'll, um, I'll read through a little bit of this, and I'll elaborate. By the way, this guy says that he's going to become God one day and he wants to recreate his father. Now, I will give it to you, Ray. You make a hell of a keyboard that I use. That thing is balling, but um, I don't know if I agree with your futuristic plans and, and 
even if you do have futuristic plans, pretty sure they're not going to include me and the rest of the population because that's how you guys all act. It's never for the betterment of humanity. It's always for you. It's all about you. So anyway, oh, it says editor's note. I'm not going to read that. It says uh, CNN, by the early 2020s, we will have the means to program our biology away from disease and aging. Oh, gee, I wonder who's going to get that technology. Up until recently, healthcare and medicine was basically hit or miss affair. We could discover in interventions such as drugs that have benefits, but also had many side effects, like screwing with DNA is not going to have side effects. Until recently, we did not have the means to actually design interventions on computers. Oh, so this will be nice and fun. All of that has changed now and dramatically changed the clinical practice by the early 2020s. We now have the information code of the genome and are making the exponential gains in modeling and simulation the information process that we gave rise to. We also have new tools that allow us to actually reprogram our biology at the same time in the way that we reprogram our computers, kind of like what you guys are doing with GMOs. DNA interference, for example, can turn genes off that promote disease and aging. The new forms of DNA therapy, the, the new forms of gene therapy, especially in vitro models, do not trigger the immune system and have the ability to add new genes. Stem cell, stem cell therapies, including the recently developed method of induced polypotent cells, or IPCs, and added four genes to your, to your own skin cells to create the equivalent of an embryonic stem cell without the use of an embryo, which are being developed to rejuvenate organs and even grow them from scratch. Wow, dude, this sounds craziness. We're living in some weird times, people. Be glad that you are living through this stuff and get ready to be inserted into the matrix. I don't even know what to tell you after all this. Let's continue. There are now hundreds of drugs and processes in the pipeline that have these methods and to modify the course of obesity, heart and well, stop eating, heart disease, cancer, and other diseases in the aging processes. One of the many examples we can now fix is a broken heart. Not yet from we cannot fix a broken heart, not yet from romance. But a heart attack by rejuvenating the heart with reprogrammed stem cells. It says health and medicine have now become the informational technology and therefore will be subject to what I call the law of accelerating returns. That yeah, that kind of works out. Which is um which is a doubling capability of about each year that applies to any information technology. Hence, computers, processing power, and such. The result of these technologies to reprogram the, quote, software, the underlying human biology, that already a thousand times more powerful than they were when the Genome Project was completed in 2003, and will again be a thousand times more powerful than the day in a decade, and a million times more powerful in two decades. Clinical applications are now at the cutting edge and will be routine by 2020. By 2030, solar energy will have the capability to meet all of our energy needs, unless we take a big solar flare and once again, there goes that idea. The production of food and clean water will also be revolutionized. Oh, so I guess Nestle and T. Boone Pickens that are all buying all these water supplies up and say they're going to charge us for it. Yeah, whatever. Don't, you know, don't look at what's going on. Just listen to some big nerd get up there and talk about how great the future is going to be. If we capture one of the part of 10,000 sunlight that falls to the earth, we can meet 100% of our energy needs using this renewable and environmentally friendly source that also throws off birds' migratory patterns. But what does that matter? We also apply new molecular scale and technologies to solar panels and cost per watt coming down rapidly. Well, that is true. Although the Deutsche Bank in the recent report said the cost of unsubsidized solar power is about the same as the cost of electricity from the grid in India and Italy. Even in 2014, even more countries will achieve solar grid um, parshi. I guess that means they're just going to even out the cost. 
The total number of watts of electricity produced by the solar energy is growing exponentially, doubling every two years, and is now even doubling of 100%. This is pretty cool stuff here, guys. And I think I'm going to shut this down right here because it gets it's a pretty long article. It gets to a couple of different things here. Um, oh, here we go. Let's just skip down to the bottom. Within five years, search engines will be based on an understanding of natural language. Yeah, that's because we're all being spied on. That's all thrown into a big data dump. But don't worry about that. Consider that IBM's Watson, who terrifies this shit out of yours truly, and sorry for the profanity, but it really does, got a higher score on America's television game Jeopardy than two of the best humans combined. Jeopardy is a broadcast involving complicated um, natural language queries, including puns, riddles, jokes, and metaphors, basically saying that computers are now smarter than we are. Believe me, if they roll out Watson, <laughs> they got some stuff that's just... Just a teeny bit more powerful than that. That's just to show the sheep what's going, you know, what's possible. And so they can all dream that they're going to be part of this Valhalla that they've been looking to extinct us for a long time. But whatever, that would actually be being informed and being concerned rather than just getting getting on this status quo ride and just riding it into oblivion. For example, Watson got this query correct in rhyme category, a long, tiresome speech delivered by a frothy pie topping. It, it responded collectively with, what is meringue herring? What, what the hell? I, I can't even pronounce that. I'm sorry, everybody. You'll have to read the article. What is widely accepted is that Watson got its knowledge from reading Wikipedia and several thousand other encyclopedias, a total of 20 million pages of natural language documents. It doesn't need to read each page as well as you or I. It reads one page and then concludes about 65% chance that Barack Obama is the president of the United States. You can read this, that page and don't see it happen, then you know you're ahead and conclude that there is a 98% chance. So, did, so you did a better job than Watson at reading the page, but Watson makes up the relatively weak reading by reading more pages, a lot more, and combining the inferences across everything and concluding that there is a 99.9% .9 chance that Barack Obama is president. That's pretty cool. So it basically uses algorithms and cross-sections everything and then says, okay, well, I can make an assumption given on these documents that I've read that um, this is pretty much the answer. So... Very interesting and scary stuff at the same time. I don't know what to really make of this stuff, guys. I really don't. I mean, I've read enough of the, once again, the controlling apparatuses playbook to understand that they want to create a one-world society, and they don't want to create the one-world Valhalla that it sounds like they're always trying to sell. It really does. It sounds like Google's trying to sell. I mean, Google was set up by NQTEL, which really, once again, anything set up by the government makes me a little bit weary. Because Lord knows that a government would never do anything cruel. Lord knows that people with, on extreme power trips, extreme narcissists and psychopaths would never get into power and never start using the levers of control and and military might against other people on the planet, that would just be ludicrous. That stuff never happens. So just once again, um, as, I, as I said earlier in the show, proceed with caution, everybody. And we need to have a debate about this. We really do. We need to have a debate about all these things. But it seems like the establishment just pushes on, not even given a flying rip about what you and I care about. And that's where we got to start making our voices heard, and we got to start withdrawing consent. If they start doing stuff that's out of control, I don't know what to tell you. You have to do what you want to do, but I know what I would do. So I would withdraw consent. I would protest. I would organize. I would, I would have the people that are doing this. I would have them, I would have them impeached or thrown out. And if they don't get impeached or thrown out, then I don't know what you do. I guess you move out of the country. Because we're at a point right now in, in human existence where if these things aren't made a public forum, if these aren't a public debate, 
If there's just a debate on scholars, see the scholars, here's what I love about you guys. You're very, very, very smart. And you have your own little compartmentalized area that you specialized in and you know all about this. And then you feel like you're part of the winning team. Like you're going to come in for the big win and I'm going to be part of the establishment. Well, if you read Rothkopf's Superclass, you know that that's full of crap. These people don't even talk about you. They just use your, you know, your project papers and your, and, your, and your theories, and they grab those, and then they look at them, and they implement them and say, ah, well, this looks like it could be viable. This is crap. Yeah, whatever. And then you get all excited when you get yours published in a peer-reviewed journal, and it gets you all tingly inside, and you get some little ego trip out of it. But in the end of the at the end equation, once again, you're insignificant. We are all insignificant to to the ruling oligarchs. I'm sorry, but if you're not part of the bloodline, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the Illuminati bloodline, I'm talking about the royal bloodline and people that have done enough research will understand what I'm talking about. If you're not part of the royal bloodline, if you're not part of the crown then it doesn't really matter. The lineage does not matter. So you might think that you're going to be, you know, top, you know what, and they probably grab people like Ray Kurzweil that actually is smart and he is a progressive thinker and they're going to utilize him for the technology and maybe give him a pass to sneak into the elite. But um, typically what you see is not what you get. Just saying. Um I'll give you two examples. Um, the Patriotic Act or the Patriot Act. How was that? That was good, right? Sounds real good. Oh, we got misled. Hmm. The um, Affordable Care Act. Sounds pretty affordable. Oh, no. Got misled there, too. It's all about conning you, everybody. It's all a big con. And it's so funny to these people that they can just con and con and con. Especially the guy in the fish hat. Unbelievable. Anyway, now moving on to some more fun of government running out of control. Once again, people that um, for some reason, even though they're born onto the same planet that you are, feel like they have the right to dictate to you what you can and can't do with your life, which is, um, I guess in my definition, that would be called slavery, but you call it what you will. I am not a slave. I am a uh, classical liberal. I am a educated person, and liberal means, in the Roman sense, it means free. And that means that I will be studying the liberal arts in order to expand my horizons and be able to look through all of the lies of the status quo and be able to formulate rational, logical, cogent explanations and also um, be able to see through the um, the thin veneer that is the the government uh, propaganda. So, my buddy, Mayor Bloomberg up in New York, says, and this is in an article of Politiker, and it's uh, entitled Shot in the Arm. This is very good. And it says, protests planned against last-minute Bloomberg push for mandatory flu vaccines. That's not overstepping your bounds or anything. That's completely, completely unconstitutional and authoritarian. But you know what? Don't drink any sodas. Don't smoke cigarettes. We're going to give you shots. Just lay down and take it, America. You are not free. Enjoy your football. Hey, who's, who do you like better, the Jets or the Giants? Go take your shots. And it says autism advocates are set to protest tomorrow against the quiet effort by Mayor Bloomberg's administration to require an annual flu vaccines for all New York City children under the age of five. Wow. Just throw the eugenics plan right out in the open. Don't even give a flip. Don't even care. But you know what? Some people just worship the status quo and they'll go line their kids up around the block and say, even if it's not a law, they'll say, well, it's... It's required. Got to do it. And then your kid's going to get some kind of brain hemorrhage or get some other vaccine-induced damage like autism or something else like that. 
even though they say there's no link, um, the the autism quote and Ben Swan did a piece on this, so it was fantastic. I think I might even have it here. If I have it, I might play it at the end. That did a did a piece on the um, the autism courts, which are basically separated to create this um, to create this third party wing. God, they love doing this thing. I mean, they do it with the Federal Reserve. They do it with uh, almost everything. So you never really go to sue the doctors or you can sue the vaccine people. You basically go to this little claims and they got like a trust fund set up. So if you apply and you get approved, then they pay you through the trust fund. Well, you know, they say that there's no links to autism or anything like that, but yet um, yet there have been 30 cases where they've actually paid out to people that have had um, – that have had vaccinations, and, uh, and in two cases, they've actually paid out to people whose children develop autism. But, you know, there's no correlation because, once again, they put the buffer in there so that they can legally say that there's no correlation and nobody's ever had to pay out for a vaccine-damaged kid, which is true. They just love themselves some plausible deniability. Learn these terms, everybody, um, and then uh, you will be a more empowered human being, and you'll be able to navigate through these bunch of just complete sellout douchebags. Anyway, continuing. On Wednesday, just three weeks ago, <coughs> until he leaves office, Mayor Bloomberg's controversial Board of Health – I mean, why don't you just call it a Nazi – Yeah, whatever – Board of Health is set to vote on new rules that would force children as young as six months. Yes! Wow! I mean, that is just brazen. In your face, we own your kids. Which, actually, by law, they do. But don't worry about that. That would mean you would have to do deep research, and that just makes me angry. But force your kids as young as six months to be immunized each year. Oh, I like that one. Immunized each year before December 31st if they want to attend a licensed daycare or preschool. Wow. Young children have a higher risk of developing severe complications with influenza. That part is actually true. One third of the children under five in New York City do not receive the annual flu vaccine. Vaccination, even though vaccines safely and effectively protects them against the influenza illness. Oh, really? It does. Oh, really? Said the Department of Health in a statement. The Health Department in a statement. Oh, they made a statement, so it's got to be true. This mandate will help protect young children. Remember, government's always there to protect you. It loves you. Mandate will protect the health of young children while reducing the spread of influenza in New York City. This is so crazy. What planet am I on? The board members and the mayoral appointees and controversial initiatives um, from smoking bans and regular regulations on cup sizes to having historically sailed in little opposition, angering a small but vocal group of advocates who claim that vaccinations are potential. Oh, they claim they're potentially dangerous. Never mind, it says it on the insert and on the CDC's website. Never mind that. They just claim. The Bloomberg administration is wildly exaggerating the benefit of the flu shot, and we think that they are wildly underestimating the risks involved with it. Amen, says John Gilmore, an executive director of the Autism Action Network, speaking more broadly than the controversial claim that links vaccines to autism. Well, good. Just... Stick with the facts, man. The risks are associated in every medical procedure. That's a very good statement. He said, citing allergic reactions, yep. Toxic mercury used in preservatives, yep. And questions whether the board's move is legal given the state jurisdictions. The Gilmore's organization is helping organize protests tomorrow. That would actually be today because this article was written yesterday. And though he doesn't expect for the board's vote to go his way, he hopes to rally that will get mayor-elect Billy de Blasio's attention, potentially opening the door for the reversal once he takes office in January. This is basically to put the mayor-elect on alert, make him aware that the issue that he is going to have to deal with and is not going to go away, said Gilmer, citing the way that Bloomberg's administration has pushed rules through. Well, I mean, you guys all lay down, so why not? 
You guys not figured out how tyrants work? Do you not study history? Do you not read books? Or, I mean, these people do, but the rest of the world is just really... The people that just lay down to this stuff are just absolutely crazy. And then I'm the weird one going and protesting the Federal Reserve. I'm, yeah, I'm the crazy person. Whatever. Oops. Got a little skewed on my scrolling there. Um, sorry about this, everybody. Um, he's kind of doing this in a stealth fashion, continuing. He's kind of doing this in a stealth fashion and just proposed this about six weeks ago, and I don't think that there was any announcement. No, why should he? He's God. Just tell, he tells you what to do, slaves. Get it, get it done. You don't push back, so why not? According to the Board of Health and Notice, and he made a he made public in September, influenza results in 20,000 hospitalizations and 30 to 50, 150 deaths in children under the age of five nationwide each year. Really? Wow. 30 to 150 deaths. Gee, I wonder how many kids are killed in car crashes. Gee, I wonder how many kids are killed by drunk drivers. Gee, I wonder how many kids are killed by their parents. Gee, I wonder how many kids are killed by CPS workers. This is just so ludicrous. Why why not just put the kid in a cage? I mean, just make him safe. Eisenhower said if you wanted to be completely safe, go get put in jail. Completely safe there. Under the proposed rule, which had a public hearing in October, the vaccinations would be required unless the vaccine may be detrimental to the child's health as certified by a physician licensed to practice medicine in the state, a.k.a. a um, Rockefeller certified MD medicine um, um, doctor, which they all, excuse me, not all, the majority of them, they love them some shots. Or the parent, parents or guardians of the child genuinely in sincere religious beliefs which are contradictory to the practices herein required. So at least they give you the religious exemption, but once again, this is just the world getting crazier and crazier. Oh, speaking of, we got seven minutes. We got time for one more article, and then that will do it for this evening's broadcast. So once again, thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. I will um, on Thursday. I will be taking your phone calls. So if you download this and you. Um, I typically get more downloads over the weekend, so if you download this before Thursday, be ready to call in with your questions, comments, and let's have a um, an intellectual discussion about uh, some of the things going on in our world. If you got questions for me, if you want to know what the bottom of the rabbit hole is, I'll be sure to answer that to the best of my knowledge and the best of my research. And if you just want to talk about, I don't know, vaccines, I've interviewed uh, Dr. Rebecca Carley, I've got couple of friends of mine that I've interviewed, and I interviewed Ben Swan, who's covered it a little bit. So, I mean, we can talk, we can cover the waterfront. So be ready for that to uh, Thursday night, last half hour, we'll say. I will take your phone calls, and um, I'll go ahead and give the number out for that night, 602-753-1916. Or if you are listening live on Blog Talk Radio, you can click the little Skype icon, which I prefer because it does sound better, and you can actually Skype in to the, um, the chat. All you have to do is sign up in the message board. It takes about two minutes, and we will get you up and on the air with your questions. And if enough of you call in, say five or six people call in at a time, I'll just uh, make it a roundtable discussion, and we can all kind of go on. And if people want to drop off, they want to make a comment, or if you want to stay on for the duration of the broadcast and contribute, remember, it's not Jake is not cattle. We are all not their sheep, and we are all not slaves. That's why I invented the show. So, all right. Speaking of being a thought criminal slave, six-year-old boy accused of sexual harassment for kissing a girl. I'm going to read that to you again. Six-year-old boy who has no clue what sexual harassment is guaranteed, accused of sexual harassment for kissing a girl. Now, I am going to break some breaking news here. I actually had a girlfriend when I was six years old. We were friends. We would go meet on the playground. We would hold hands. We would kiss each other on the cheek. Just evidently I'd be – I would be – Accused of sexual harassment because I was holding hands and kissing her on the cheek. Just what? What? 
planet am I on? Really, what planet am I on? Did, did I leave? Oh, wait, I did leave America. That's right. About 15 years ago, we left America. Started having wars for fun, people. What does history tell you about having wars for fun? Yep, that's never a good sign. Now, what did we do? What did they do? Did they attack us? Nah, it's... Gotta go get them, man. I mean, look, they're they're brown. They got a bad guy over there. I mean, he's got a mustache. I mean, Hitler had a mustache. Stalin, you know, obviously, Muammar Gaddafi had a mustache. I mean, if you have a mustache and you're in the Middle East, I'm going to give you some advice. Shave it today, unless you want to get invaded by the U.S. I'm just saying. All right, so let's continue with the article here, and then we'll wrap up the show. A Cannon City school six-year-old boy has been accused of sexual harassment, and the school suspended him for kissing a girl on the cheek and the hand. Oh, my God. I didn't know he went to the hand. Oh, man. That's actually, that's actually socially acceptable in, in, in Eastern country, in, in like all of Western Europe, socially, completely socially acceptable. Even kissing on the hand, that's a sign of whatever. Whatever. How, how dare I use logic in America? What was I thinking? A child psychologist said that the, tr- the tough treatment could, be, could have negative consequences. You think? What the, what the heck? The kid's going to be scarred for life. I mean, maybe not for life, but that's going to mess him up. She said the kissing is normal behavior for children of that age. But once again, you're a slave. Do what you're told or else you're going to get arrested or you're going to get you know, suspended. Just teaching you all that you're all criminals. And by the way, go check out my YouTube video, We Are All Criminals, um, on the We Are Not Cattle TV site on YouTube. And um, please subscribe. And also, I never do this, but uh, can you please subscribe to me on YouTube and give me some stars? I, I like them. Not that I need proverbial self-esteem to be embellished, but um, it helps. It helps uh, get me up on the little charts over there so that more people can can hear the message of uh, common sense and um thinking through the world uh, that we currently float through and live in. Lincoln School of Science and Technology is home of young growing minds from kindergarten to fifth grade, and the six-year-old was one of them suspended for two days for kissing a girl once on the hand and another time on the cheek. Ooh. This guy sounds like he needs to go to a FEMA camp. I mean, this is just absolutely crazy. How dare you? How dare you? Okay. And then it says um, Sandy Whirl, a clinical, a child clinical psychologist at UCCS. Well, I'm glad they brought in somebody with some credentials. Specializes in child sexual development and the prevention of childhood sexual abuse. She said that it wasn't a surprise. She says she wasn't surprised when we told her about Hunter kissing a classmate. For most six-year-old boys, absolutely, that would be normal behavior. However, she was surprised to hear that the school suspended him. That really gives mixed messages, negative messages to the kids. The part of the development is very important and is no more than no more, and if no more than their academic subjects. World believes that the sexual harassment, the quote-unquote sexual harassment, could have serious consequences on the child. And she goes on to say, I quote, I don't think a six-year-old would understand what harassment is, um, what I said earlier, and the, could have some long-term implications. She said, if anything, that's an opportunity to talk for as long as no, oh, no, don't kiss, don't talk about it, don't ask questions, she says. Yep, and so it um, just goes on to say that... Um, that uh, the school is basically being a little bit ludicrous. But, I mean, all you have to do is read the topic of the article. But that's, you know, that's part of our society now, is just to, comp- to completely freak out about absolutely nothing and then make a huge deal about it and then, um, yeah, make an absolutely huge deal about it. Meanwhile, you have giant monster mega banks that rob you on a daily basis that are creating money out of nothing at 6% return to them on a yearly basis. We don't know how much money's in the money supply. The the stock market's a completely inflated bubble and um our leaders like to get up there in grandstand and say that we're going to go to war with countries that don't attack us and then say they use chemical weapons where they have no proof. But 
that's not what really matters. We need to worry about a child kissing a girl on the cheek because that is just breeding grounds to teach them a lesson. Remember, we are all criminals, everybody, in this crazy world that we live in. So thank you for joining me. Be sure to tune in Thursday night, 9 o'clock. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Peace, love, and unity, everybody. Let's do this.